0: This show is distributed by Sun Welcome!
1: Welcome to episode two hundred and five of Texting, hosted by myself, Justin Vincent, and Jason Roberts. And in today's episode, Jason has about ten printed sheets of all the different stuff he's going to talk about, and I honestly haven't prepared anything. So thank God for Jason. Hey, Jason, how are you doing?
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, uh, well, I guess it's good. I did. I put in the work. I, I've been working on this since like ten a.m. this morning. You have? Yeah. So yeah. it. So you've been working on it for like. And I went five to lunch. Hours? Four hours. Four hours. Four, four hours reading. Well, because you know, I was, I was up in San Francisco working with uh, Uber. Yeah. So I really wasn't able to read anything while I was there. Um, yeah. And and so I, I, you know, I had no, I had no material. <laughs> and a few things I had kind of bookmarked earlier in the week, and uh, yeah, I just got back this. You know, I said so this morning when I woke up, I'm like, okay, we got to do a show today. I got nothing to talk about. <laughs> <Same> <laughs> well, so I, I, yes, yeah, so I've been just reading through stuff, taking notes and, uh, you know, I was just thinking about, man, how much time do you put into the show yourself? I mean, most of your show, most of your effort is post. Yeah. Right. So it's like 80% post, 20% pre or maybe 90% yeah, post, yeah. 10%
1: pre. I mean, uh, like, I guess whenever, um, a donation comes in, I'll I'll capture that and put it in my podcast text file so I'll know to read through the donations. And whenever I'm thinking about it and I see an interesting story, I put that there as well. So not too much on the on the free. Maybe
0: a half hour <laughs> total during the week. <laughs> yeah, maybe half hour, yeah. That's and a then, but your post time
1: is what? Yeah, that's a bit longer. That's two usually hours? between two, three hours, yeah.
0: So two to three hours. So yeah. let's say we round it up to three hours and yeah. then the show, it's roughly two hours. Mm-hmm. It's about five hours. Yeah. So for me, I th- I'd say on average... I would say that's about right. I'd probably about three hours of prep before. Right. Actually, it's probably more because I do, th- you know, f- uh, you know, probably. But you do read for pleasure as well. Yeah. So, so, so we'll give that, oh, we'll chop off an hour. Right. Yeah. yeah. You know, <laughs> kind of like, you know, when they, you know, when you have like, you have to write off, uh, like work, you know, you, you try to take a write off for like your office, your yeah. home office. Yeah. Like you can't write off the whole thing because you do use it for other stuff.
1: Yeah. So two hours. 25% you're allowed to write off your home office of your, of your, of the floor space.
0: Is that right? Yeah. 25%. Okay. so let's say let's even cut it off in a half an hour and a half right two hours of the show recording and then it's about an, it, it sometimes takes me an hour to an hour and a half to listen to the show and take notes and write all the links and get everything right well it's the listening to the show the second time
1: around that i'm like whoa i don't envy you that because doing the show notes that's like that's pretty hardcore i mean we should people have said to us many times we should have Someone doing that. But you, you're very specific about how you want the show notes.
0: I, I care about the show notes the way you care about the audio quality. Right. Okay. Right. I mean, you care about it. You wouldn't want to outsource it because it would suck. It wouldn't be yeah. nearly as good. Yeah. Because you, you are a perfectionist when it comes to that, and it shows. So if you read our show notes, I cover all the interesting pieces. I try and get all the relevant links and supporting links, right? Yeah. And I think uh, uh, Rob Walling made that comment to me a couple of times. He's like, you know, your show notes are so awesome because he's like, when there's stuff that I want to listen to, I can just go drill Right into it or whatever. Yeah. Well, talking about
1: Rob Walling, he sent me a nice email, which I want to talk to you about. But we'll talk about that afterwards.
0: You can go ahead now. Go ahead. And okay. In.
1: Sure. So he was basically saying that he was thinking about um, my question about becoming uh, a multi-product micropreneur. Did I just discuss, I discussed that with you on the show, didn't I? No. Oh, I, I like you know the the whole last week. I want to punch plug you in the face. Right. And I was
0: saying maybe consider a second.
1: Right. Yeah. So I, I I've always thought that Rob's uh, strategy of basically Going to Flipper and buying cheap apps and then like doing them, you know, so doing them yeah. up a bit and then selling them, you know, or becoming kind of like this ultimate. old piece
0: of this old house, like this old piece of software, yeah, right, yeah. So,
1: <laughs> this old website, know, he, he basically, in the gist of the email he sent, he sent me is, um, okay, now I've got this established revenue with Plugio, which is like four grand a month, mm-hmm. why not just use that to support my buying another app and take everything that I've learned from Plugio, you know, all the conversion stuff. And put that into some other app that I buy from Flipper. Yeah. That's an idea. And I like that idea, except for the fact that I've got the same thing as you. I really want to build what I put out there. Like, it's just taking someone else's crud.
0: Crap. Crap. Yeah, I mean... Like I don't mean that in a horrible way, but you you know I do. That's <laughs> garbage. It was garbage. This ninety percent. I think it's a saying like ninety percent of everything in the world is shit. You know, but it's that's, like that's... whatever it is. Everything. Ninety percent of all literature. Ninety percent of all music. Ninety percent of all everything is crap.
1: But that's why we are too close. And someone like Rob, because he's abstracted, and he's like, yeah, I'll take that. You know, I, I'm not going to code it. I'll outsource that. Like, that is a better businessman in many senses for, for something like what we're doing. We're just too close. Like, I can't take someone else's code and not work on it myself, which makes it very difficult to take someone else's code in the first place.
0: Well, I think that's why it's important to know yourself. Yeah. I mean, why are you doing what you're doing? It's not just to make money. It's because you enjoy the creative process. Although you're a I really do want to
1: make, I mean, I really, okay. I really want to just have my baseline of revenue kind of just coming in. So if that does make me think maybe I should just like swallow my pride and just do something like that.
0: You could experiment with it. I mean, you know, I mean, maybe well, here's one idea it's like maybe maybe do something small, right I mean, I, sometimes I feel like you go whole hog into stuff like you, you you get real excited about some new direction and then you just like put on the brakes, you know do a 180 and just yeah. and I'm like, you know it's like before it's necessarily proven that's gonna be an optimal path and and, and just go all in without ne- there, there being, in my view, enough evidence to to, to shift that hard. I mean, what if you did it a little smaller? You say, okay, I'm not going to put 10 grand, you know, like, well, I, you know, it's only two and a half months of plug, plug uh, yield revenue. I'll put 10 grand to just pick a number out of there because I know that's probably what you'll end up doing. And you'll put 10, 10 grand into some you know, piece of software you buy. It's like, do something that's a, a grand. Well,
1: this whole, this whole thing rolls very nicely into uh, an audio book that I've been listening to that Jeff Welpley um, sent me. Um he sent me an email and said, you know, I'm gonna give you this this these thoughts based on this audiobook I've just been listening to.
0: Let me just for people who don't know, Jeff Wellpley is the CTO of Mesh one right. and he's a friend of mine. He played on my soccer team out here before he, he moved back to uh I guess they're in Portsmouth or something. There's... And he's our number one Anyfu client. Yeah, is he? He's the number one client? I think he's our number one client.
1: I think he's had like four or five sessions. Okay, okay, number that one. he's purchased,
0: yeah. Okay, he's written a number of articles. Uh, he's done pretty well. He's been posting some good stuff, Dagger News. Yeah. Anyway, so go on, that's who Jeff Wobbly is.
1: Right, so The Dip by Seth Godin. And I think it's Godin. Seth Godin? I like saying Godin. It sounds more sophisticated. <laughs> it sounds like Rodin. <laughs> okay, maybe It's like Seth saying Godin. niche instead of niche. <laughs> yeah. Okay, fine. All right. Anyway, go it's going to be very difficult for me to say Godin. Anyway.
0: I, okay, okay, Godin. Okay, right. So what does Seth Godin have to say? So the dip, um,
1: really what he's talking about is, it's hard to paraphrase it in a sentence, but I'll try and get it. Um, The dip is the part that you get to. So if you're learning guitar, you start learning guitar for the weekend and you're like really excited. And then you spend the next three years like mastering it, that's the dip. Mm -hmm. You know, when you play golf, oh, it's great, you pick up a club and you you have some beginner's luck, but then you've got to spend the next 10 years mastering it, same with business same with whatever you do and if you start a company as you describe you really you know i i do this and i know you do this as well you know you get real momentum at the beginning of creating your tech and then all of a sudden it's like oh now i've got to turn this into a business and do everything else so it's the dip basically it's the hard stuff and so he's got a lot of
0: stuff that you just don't want to do necessarily
1: it's the stuff that you don't want to do but it's 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 the, the hard slog the difficult problems you know it's it's solving the difficult problems so he's making two main points point number one is be the best in the world? Just be the best in the world at what you do. And he said the reason why you want to be the best in the world is that it's not a linear curve when it goes, you know, ten, nine, eight, seven, up to one. Like between one and two, it's exponentially larger. You know, mm-hmm. between two and three, exponentially. So mm-hmm. he's saying, be the best in the world. There's there's so much proof. He's for example, you know, one piece of proof he gives. Is, it may be silly, but vanilla ice cream is like. Way more popular. You know, it's the most popular flavor of ice cream in the world, but it's way more popular than the second most popular, which is chocolate. You know, mm, okay. and he, he, just, he just reeled off a whole, all sorts of lists the, that, that always follows okay. through. So be the best in the world. But he said it doesn't have to be the whole world. You could be the best in your world. So in your local area or in your specific niche. In your or, niche. In your niche. <laughs> right. And then the dip is what creates the scarcity and brings the value to whatever you're working on. Because other people have to go through that dip too. So if you can go through that dip, but really get focused into the really difficult problems. So say, for example, AnyFoo. The, the dip of AnyFoo is for us getting really, really awesome experts and working really hard to make that happen. It's going to be tough. Right? right? That's mm-hmm. going to be tough. But that's also going to bring the value to the system. Right. And he's saying that, that if you look at the dip, that should help you decide where you're going to quit. And you should quit as often as possible on all the different dips that you have in your life and just focus on one dip.
0: One dip. Just have one dip. Okay. So in
1: other all words, right. if you're doing, you know, if you, you pick your dips, right? Pick your dip. I pick think, is that dip. the name of
0: the show? <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay. Pick
0: your dip. So sad,
1: Justin. Vincent. Okay. But do you see where I'm, does that make any sense? I'm yeah, talking about? yeah, yeah. So mm-hmm. basically, you know, working on any foo, working on Plug.io, working on this, working on that. I mean, Plugio obviously is a massive dip. Is it possible for me to be the best in the world at Plugio? It really isn't possible for me to be the best in the world because I don't have millions and millions of dollars. I don't have enough money to be the best in the world in that market.
0: Right. Well, yeah, it's tough. I mean, you would have to completely change your business model into some kind of niche that's a little smaller where there aren't many people in there. But then, of course, it might be too small, in which case there's not enough money potential market right. so, opportunity for you.
1: So so in other words, according to the to the book, it's an insurmountable dip. And every moment that I spend working in that dip is a waste of time. I should pick another dip.
0: That's what I was saying last week. Right. Pick a new dip. Pick a new dip. So if
1: is that dip any foo. But I don't know yet because I need to see whether you've got the commitment to focus on that dip in the same way as I do. Right. Because, yeah. So that's that's another you know, discussion that's emerging. Mm-hmm so that's basically i mean i've probably got that woefully wrong and jeff's probably listening listening going oh my god you explained that so badly <laughs> but
0: uh <laughs> yeah no i i i mean i i didn't i didn't have a chance to listen to it i know you wanted me to but uh i i've just uh, you know being up in san francisco and then getting back i, I want you to listen
1: sense. to it because so much of what he said was about excellence being as excellent as you can you know being the best in the world at what you do and that brings the massive value and you you say that all the time.
0: Yeah. Well, you know, because well, like you know, we, we had a little, we had a little uh, mini disagreement on spending time on crafting the email that we were going to send to experts. And I probably made about 15, 15 changes to your email. Yeah. And uh, after about the 13th one, you're like, come on. You know, like, just, you know, you got to ship it or it's nothing. And I'm like, well, you know, as if, in, in my, my perspective, it's like quality counts.
1: Well Quality actually, counts. he it, really says that, so he's like saying it's the purple cow like be be the purple cow in the field that just totally stands out, mm-hmm. and that's that comes from really polishing and really just hardcore going over it so but it's,
0: a, but it's always a balance I mean you, you know you you have a point which is like you gotta okay, fine, we're gonna edit and edit this email so that it it really uh, communicates what we wanted to communicate in the best possible way to reduce the chances that this expert is going to delete. The email in the first three seconds they're looking at it, right? How do we prevent that from happening? And, um, you know, my perspective is like, okay, well, there's a lot of things that could make them want to delete this one, two, three sentences in. So let's just make sure that we're saying it in just the right way, okay? But you have a point. You spend too much time on it. Eventually, you got to right? You got to send something. Like, you can't spend weeks screwing around with an email, right? But, you know, my perspective is like, it's worth spending an extra 45 minutes to an hour editing this thing, coming back to it, thinking about it. Like, okay, if I'm the expert to receive this, how am I going to, how am I going to think about it? Am I going to go straight to, am I going to delete this immediately or not? So, uh, but yeah, it's always a balancing act. All this stuff's a balancing act. And, And that's why it's so hard to like judge things objectively because it's based on contextual information that is, that wasn't within the sphere of information that whoever made these statements was talking about. So you have to go, okay, in my situation, Am I uh, obsessing over detail to the point that I'm not ever going to ship anything? Or am I trying to ship stuff too soon and not paying and not crossing the T's and dotting the I's enough? You know, it's so hard to say this stuff. And you just have to as a you have to do your best am I, am, to, to figure out if you're if you're making a good decision, if you're applying it correctly. So am, am I sticking too long at this thing or am I giving up too early? Am I using excuse to, 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 to give up too early? You know, I mean, it's OK. I have another question on this same topic. Are we doing right by our
1: families, making a cash run and doing as many contracts as we can, or would we be doing better by our families working as at the minimum amount of contracts as we can and putting everything into actually exponentially growing a proper business?
0: Yeah, I guess it's somewhere in the middle there. I mean, I think um you know, something that I've come to realize over the past uh, I don't know, year or so, is that Especially when you have kids. I mean, you know, it's hard for you. To, it's hard for you to see it quite how you would, as if you had two or three kids and yeah. Georgie wasn't working. There's a lot more pressure on you. Yeah, you can, you know, and Georgie can. Georgie's working, and you just don't have kids, and you know, it, it's not as painful if you're short cash for. Three or six months, you're like, okay, we can sort through this, but it gets really, really awkward and painful, and everything else if you if you don't. And um, as Sandy had talked about on the show when she was mm-hmm. on the wife show, um, so you, I'm probably at this stage of my life a little more um, uh, a little more prone to be risk averse than I was before. I was swinging for the fences, right? I was taking very little upfront cash and things. I was putting everything on the line, you know, and I had several really close ones. I feel like I hit a homer and it just went foul right, right. before it hit the stands. And it's just like, oh man, like everybody's on their feet watching it going, it's going to be a homer. <laughs> oh, you know, <laughs> and it's just like, I oh, have like three times. And so it's like, you can be really close and, uh, yeah. and if it, uh, and it just doesn't happen and then it's, it's, it sucks. It's kind of binary. It's like, wow, you could have been worth 20 million and now you're worth nothing. Yeah. It's no, wow. Well, well you're still worth you know, you still have a quarter million dollars in the bank or $50,000. So you got nothing. And you got a $100,000 in, in credit card debt. That's brutal. Okay, but when you so got let's
1: say, so then do we do, I mean, let's say we are trying to bring extra cash in. Like how many contracts should we bring? How many hours a day should we give to contracts versus to our project?
0: Well, you know, again, that's it's it's different probably for the two of us. I mean, I know you... More recently, were in a quick money run because you didn't have the Uber media thing locked down, right, right. And so you had to just, that's why I threw like two or three things at you. I'm like, here's something, here's something, here's something. Because you, you were really stressed. Yeah. You're like, I need well, money like right now. Yeah. So I threw everything I, I, I had at you. Uh, w- one of them stuck. And then the Uber media thing came. And now you're like, oh man, now I got these two things eating things up, eating up my time. Now, if Uber media turns out to be for you, like Uber is for me, and that's it's very consistent you're creating value for them. They're very happy with you. It looks like it's going to be a nice, happy, ongoing situation. Then, and then you might be able to say, okay, I'm not going to worry about, you know, I have, you have some money in the bank, but you're not going to worry about padding those coffers too much because things seem pretty safe. Yeah. You know, so, I, you know, I think, you know, it just changes, right? I think mean, maybe, you know, we can take a look at it in the next couple months and see. Now, for me, I'm more interested in uh, Uber. I mean, <laughs> I'm more interested in any in foo than I uh than I was. I mean I I, I lot we lost momentum. Yeah. And I and I don't know. I'm I'm very momentum based. And I it just I just lost it. I lost the I lost the just the the fire for it. Okay. Well so you, you want to go jump straight into any food now? Yeah, sure. All right. Let me see here. Um okay I got my notes. Take a look at the notes. So um all right well one of the things we were gonna try and do this week, which ha- which actually had a little bit of a false start, was the expert recruiting. Oh, the audience is going.
1: Oh no! Now, I,
0: we each got off one email. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> now, now, okay, well, a couple things. One, I was in I was in uh, San Francisco for four days. Right. And when I'm an Uber, I mean, I I, I I I mean, it's all Uber. Yeah. From morning till night. Well, when you're when you're on location, it has to be that way. Yeah. Well, because it's not. like I get in there at eight thirty in the morning, but then I'm working yeah. until seven well, thirty or working something. The team as well. Yeah. When well, you're working with them, and then you're going to hang out with them, going to dinner yeah. and stuff like that. So I don't get home until I don't get to my hotel room till midnight or when the morning. All right. And then I go to sleep and I get up and I'm in the office. So it's like, you know, well, that's why you do- get the big books Cause you go down there. Up, up, San Francisco's North. <laughs> <Every> <laughs> just time, think whatever you say, time. just reverse it. <laughs> that's why Sandy can't get her left on her right. Every time she's left, I'm in your other left. It's like, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Well, um, okay. Yeah. So we both, we both got an email off. Okay. We both got an email off. So, but what was really important though, is that we spent time crafting emails. That takes time. It wasn't. It's not like, well, I'll just write three sentences. It'll be great. Like you write it in this crap. It's, and my first version, at first time I read it and I'm like, this is actually pretty good, but it's way too long. Got really in the weeds. And, Yours was, I thought, had said some had had a nice informal tone to it, but it just wasn't nearly sharp as it could have been, and that's why I was like, "Okay, we can sharpen this up, we can clarify this, we can clean this up. This is redundant. Move this around. That kind of stuff." Right. But the last the final version was, I thought, pretty good. Yeah, it was. I thought you were happy with it, right? So,
1: well, yeah. I mean, I sent it out, and I got we I got one response from an expert. It was positive. Yeah.
0: So, with what about you? So, I haven't heard back. So, here's here's what I did. I I I wanted to try. I said, right, I'm going to do the opposite of what I. Might normal or my first version, which was kind of long. Yeah, is so I'm going to do like a two sentence email. Yeah, two or three cents. I think mine was like two or three cents. It's really, really short and kind of and informal, because that's what it, I mean. It was. I, I don't want it to come across as like we're just some big Borg of a company. It's like you know, hey, uh, you know, I'm co-founder of a startup that does X, Y, and Z. And you know, I think you'd be a perfect, perfect for this. Love to have a chance to talk to you, you know, yeah that kind of thing and but i think actually that can work my my, my new strategy because i'm gonna send a because i want to do is i'm gonna send a follow-up email because i want to clarify something because I, I when sandy picked me up to the airport uh, from the airport on saturday and we're driving back and i kind of was talking about the email and she's like yeah but i think you said this wrong and i was like okay well i'll just send another email so, oh just to clarify x y and z just a one sentence yeah which was what i was going to do but i said you know it actually might work really well because it proves it's a second in it's a second in, but it also comes across as a human. Yeah. Right? Right. Because I said something. I said this is a just-in-time consulting service, web service, you know, whatever. But he has a consulting company. So he might think, uh, he might be misreading yeah. what that means. It's like somehow competitive with what he's doing or whatever. So I, I want to clarify. It's okay. No, this is just purely purely, purely com, uh, complimentary. Yeah. Anyway. So I, I want to try a little bit. I want to try like the really simple, because I think people who are busy and technical are, are even more prone to delete emails than most people. And, and most people are still more prone to delete longer emails. When I get these long emails, I, especially when I, from, uh, from cold, I just barely even read them. A lot of times I'm just like, this is clearly just a cold email. Boom. Yeah. But if it's like a one cent, two sentence thing, you're, you can read that. And uh, I, I have a feeling that might, that could work, but we can kind of AB test between the two of ours.
1: Okay. So this coming week, we're going to be sending more emails out. Yeah. Now we've had some issues, some big fails with, I guess the email system. We we don't know where that's coming from, but we need to work it out. And I was wondering, what what things we could do? Could we put some special kind of logging or something?
0: Yeah, yeah. I think we can. We lo- think we need. To, we should probably log all our emails. What emails were sent? Yeah, that's a really good idea. Yeah. Um, I th- I also think that we need to have a, a reminder system. So we emails for sending out reminding people to do things. Right. Because like one client didn't know that he had to go and approve an invoice. He thought that it was simply going to. It was simply auto-built. Yeah. Right. I know. So that's an example. And I think, I think today, I think Alex did a session with Jeff or was he did it Saturday, but he still hasn't submitted the invoice. Right. So maybe he doesn't know that he has to do that or he forgot that he has to do that. So when he sent an email, so if like, if an expert doesn't, doesn't submit an invoice after 24 hours, say, Hey, or, or even 12 hours, say, remind remember, don't forget to. Submit now, why invoice. don't we automatically submit the invoice? Well, because um, it could be, we don't know how many hours it was. Could be an hour and a half. Could be two hours. Could be a half hour. Right? There's no guarantee of the length of time. And also, we want the expert to just put like a, a one or two cents description of what happened. Okay. Not only because eventually we'd like to show that on their profile, past sessions. You know, like especially if we have like if a client writes a recommendation, we could have it linked to and here was a description, a two cents description from the expert of what they did.
1: So technically, I think what we could do is. There's a thing that I've got on Plugio. Basically, it's like a schedule email system. I I did it based on the schedule tweet system. So what it does is you have an abstracted mail function, which you type in mail, and then you say when you're going to send it. But also you could add a query to it because I know that sometimes we don't necessarily want to send them something. For example, if they've actually paid the invoice, then we don't want to send them the reminder. So what we could do is we could say, send this email in... You know the way uh, PHP has like a string to time function, mm-hmm. so you could say send this email in plus two hours or whatever, or plus two days. You know, just do that. So that'll give you the, the time that it's going to send it, and then put an SQL query as the second function that basically, or, or some kind of query, maybe
0: SQLs on say Yeah, we could we could we could just we anyway we could write a simple engine. We might we yeah. might, it might be slightly different, but we can base it on yours or whatever. Yeah. But it's based on the state of the session. Right. What was the last state? And how much time has passed. So I only send this email, yeah, because I don't want to send SQL because that's actually
1: very a security brain. So what we could do is, yeah, just the, just two, two things. It just is the string time that it's going to send it and the state that it, the, the, the system must be in for it to send it. If the state, system's not in that state, then don't send it. Right.
0: No, I, I think that's essentially what Let's we need. do. We, that, just, yeah. we just need reminder emails because people, especially newer to the system, aren't going to know, aren't going to remember to do it. And so like Alex, so for instance, the last email that Alex Macaw received from the system regarding his session with jeff was the one that confirmed that they had agreed on a time to do the session which was four or five to six days ago yeah so he probably it's either if he's like me he probably deleted the email from his inbox yeah. if he's like you it's 50 emails down right he's not thinking about it yeah. so you need another email that comes and says hey you Just know alex don't forget please submit your 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 invoice okay and from the from the client side we need to once they've received it after a certain amount of time hey you know please don't forget to yeah submit to, but the other thing where we do we we, um, we i think we've agreed to do is that after a certain amount of time happens that we're going to um auto bill so we're, we're gonna put that in the terms so like i don't know if it's 48 or 72 hours i'm thinking 72 hours sounds like a reasonable amount of time so if 72 hours pass and you have not approved an invoice or put a dispute in. We're we'll just auto bill it or we're gonna auto charge
1: I, I couldn't agree more that makes sense Okay, so listen, let's move on to the next subject because I know we've been doing this for a bit. Uh, We're 24 minutes in. I want to quickly thank Ben Boiter for giving us 50 bucks. Now, he, he, by the way, he's the one who caused all the problem in the first place because he was complaining about how the sound was.
0: <laughs> well, he felt really guilty in the conversation. <laughs> and if he like didn't I complain
1: should... how the sound was, I wouldn't have gone out and spent 350
0: bucks on a special sound. <laughs> well, I think everybody can thank him because the quality of the audio is, is, a, is it way is. It's better. It's much better As, better a, re, as a result yeah. of that. So we've got the two things, the back and the forth,
1: and the good quality of the audio without the hiss. Okay, so that's awesome. And I don't need to put a heavy gate on it anymore, and that makes another big difference. So there is a very thin hiss in the background. But that's just like you know regular piss, mm-hmm. um, you know, very low level. Um, but if I don't put the gate in, then you don't get any of that <sighs> at the end of right. the words. Right. Anyway, Ben, uh, fifty bucks. Thank you so much. That's that's awesome. Um, you are this episode's ex- executive producer, and I'm going to put you on the show. Thank you.
0: Yeah. That, yeah. yeah, that is awesome. That is that's that's really generous. So actually I wanted to bring something up about the donation thing. So okay. I got an email um from one of our listeners and he basically the email was like, he's like, Did I hear that you're actually doing a donation drive to buy yourself an iPad? <laughs> you know, which basically is you know, he's insinuating he's 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 instead sort of insinuating that I'm somehow he's he's challenging my integrity, right? Right. So
1: well that's that's interesting because first of all I don't actually understand what would be wrong if you were doing that. I mean, you're you're putting this time in and it's basically is is it wrong for people who release
0: open source software to have a wish list on Amazon? I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean Th- I have to say, I have to say it, it, it kind of pissed me off. Right. You know, because integrity is important to me. As you know. Okay. I, you know, I don't I I you know, I don't like it when people lie, I don't like people mislead, I don't like when things are unfair. You know, that kind of stuff. So, but anyway, I said it. It wasn't you. I said it. I made the joke of it. So, Oh, the iPad thing? Yeah. So, you know, I'm not going to do the iPad donation. You know, any you're donations? Not? No, I'm not doing it. No, oh, here's the thing. That's, but that's
1: annoying because... oh,
0: that's that's annoying. And I'll why? tell you why. why.
1: Because you should have an iPad. Because oh, you're the one who does the legwork to look at the stories and it's going to be easier. And I want you to have that good experience so that we get better stories for the show.
0: I, you know, I I mean, I may buy myself an iPad anyway. You know, if if, at some point, but it's like I just don't like. You know, it's like I can't stand having having any kind of uh, uh, suggestions that I'm at all unethical. That just, it just, it's just like you know, it's like I don't need anybody to give me anything. So that's why I'm kind of like that because anybody. It's like I just refuse. But it's 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 impossible to to
1: go through life and have an audience. And not get accused of everything.
0: Yeah, I, mean, I know, I know. So, I'm, so here's you shouldn't the thing. really let it affect you. But you know, I, you know But it, it bothered me, right? It, it 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 really bothered me. And so the way, I, but the way, it's, what's kind of interesting because so I was thinking a little bit about it is like you know, the um the issue with, with donations and, and or with money, money's fungible, right? So if they put in, if you get hundred dollars as a donation, you say I'm going to spend it on acts. If you're going to buy X anyway, who's to say what $100 was spent for what? Maybe that $100 was spent to pay for your mortgage. Maybe $100 was spent by, by clothes. Just, you can't earmark money if you're going to buy it anyway. Right. Right. It's kind of ridiculous. Money is fungible. There's no way of really saying that. So it's like, you know, unless, unless it was something that you couldn't afford or would not going to spend money on regardless. Right. But the
1: thing is, is when you are asking for donations, as we do, mm-hmm. I think that it's nice to have a reason to get the donation. So, for example, an iPad that actually would give would make it really easy for you to do the show, you know, to get good material for the show, is actually a good thing. <laughs> I mean, its I don't see any difference between that and getting 350 bucks to reduce the sound. I mean, it's all part of the show.
0: Yeah, you know? yeah. I don't know. I'm just saying that's kind of how it made me feel. Okay. It, it, it made me angry. It's like, I don't need that for, you know, 100 bucks or $500. Like, I, I don't need it. You know, it's like... You know, because the funny thing is, is that you, you figure how many hours you spend. Like we we're just talking about this: five hours a week per show. Not, and if we do an interview show, that's ten. Yeah, and we that's and usually that's time that we would be consulting work. Great. So that's so so that's what between
1: us we're saying let's let's say at least seven fifty a week
0: so I, I would say for me it's closer because if we do if we do a, an interview show i'm i spend a number of hours praying so it's like a thousand that's like a thousand dollars a week so we're giving you guys fifty-two thousand. i i'm not giving years. you know, we're not giving you a particular but i'm just saying that's <laughs> like to be compensated no, we're, we're giving the listeners 52 grand a year <laughs> Yeah. Well, no, like for more than that, right? Cause it's a thousand dollars. then if you did two shows, well, yeah, I mean, that's, it's, it's a lot of money, right? It's a lot of money. So it's like,
1: so it's funny. That's you a get, great way. So actually that when you think about it that way, they owe
0: us money. Yeah. right. Yeah. Pay ups, so, <laughs> up, you escapes, But I'm just saying, it's like, you think how much, you just think of how much money you put, you essentially put into it. Right, just the time because this, you know, sometimes people say, "Well, you, you, you have to be careful about saying that's X amount of dollars of billable time." If you really weren't going to be billing time, that's not really fair. Right. But a lot of times we're doing this during work times, or preparing to, or times you would be, you might be doing some consulting work. It's not times that I would be spending with the family or something. Well, we do. Yeah,
1: I I definitely work my consulting work. I mean, because especially for the interviews, that stuff happens in the week. That happens during the working day. Right, right. Yeah. So, so to, so and every Monday, every Monday morning, like I put the show out. So
0: Right. So to pretend that or to somehow think that the donation money is somehow like in all compensatory for that amount of lost money, it's kind of it's kind of funny. You know, it's, it's just it's funny because it's like pennies on the dollar. Right. But
1: at the same time, we do the show because we just want to do it. Yeah. Right. Yeah, so, yeah, it's, yeah. so it's it's the mixed bag. Yeah. There's a
0: lot of thought. I mean, I, I just have to say this is my mixed feelings about it. Right. I yeah. do it because I like it. Yeah. I do it because I have fun. It hasn't. As far as I can tell, it really hasn't done anything for me professionally <laughs> whatsoever, right? It's not something that's helped us in any, in any sort of uh, financial or monetary way. Well, it's, it's just, helped me more than you. because Yeah, yeah you've got some jobs out of it or well, something? No, I've
1: just, I think that the, the guests that we've had on and the, the relationships with people like Rob Walling and, and Gabriel Weinberg and the advice that I've used to put into Plugio and into my business life. I mean, right, it's right. made a big difference to me in that way. So I think it's definitely made a f- financial difference to me. Right, right. Probably it wouldn't exist without.
0: Right, right. Without yeah, it. I, I definitely couldn't say the same for me. But uh, anyway, so that's, that, that, was, that was my feelings about that, that, right. that thing. So I don't know. The whole donation thing, it makes me just like wonder what. So yeah. you're thinking no more donations? Should we donations? Should we just take, should we not take money at all? Should we take, should we do, uh, I mean, even if we were like, even if we did like um, the sponsors,
1: you know, I think sponsors might be better. But you know what? I do hope that we can do donations, so I can get back that three hundred and fifty that I spent on the sound system.
0: Well, so I'll take the hundred. I'll take the hundred. The hundred that, that you forwarded me for the okay. thing. I'll- so I'll
1: take that, and then the fifty that Ben Boyter gave. Yeah. And then we've just got to get another two hundred. And then
0: what? will stop donations. I know. We'll. Yeah. We, I mean, I'm just. That's not. Funny. I'm not saying we have to stop. But that's just. That was my feeling about it. You know, I'm not. I'm not going to specify. We're we're doing it for this, or if we're doing it for that, and I don't know. I don't know. But if we get sponsors, then we're going to be beholden to them, and it's going to be
1: like we're going to be controlled. You know? Like, yeah. See, like I don't brother. know. I,
0: I, see, that's why, why. in some ways, why do we do? Why do we even do the show? Then I mean, like, why just for, do we, just for fun? Should
1: we just? Should we just finish? Should we just
0: quit the show? <laughs> just quit the show. I don't know. I'm thinking maybe, but maybe. The, the whole sponsorship thing, it still wouldn't be enough money to compensate us for our loss of time. Or lots of time, you know. It's not like it would not. It would. It's not like we would probably be able to get thousands of dollars a month for sponsors. Well, some people say we could.
1: I don't know yeah, why. I, I mean, I, only I, on fifteen hundred listeners, it's unlikely. But
0: yeah, I don't. I don't see.
1: I think we should try and syndicate the show through um, through Leo Laporte or something like that, and
0: syndicate it to get a larger listenership. Yeah, they're not. Leo Laporte's going to have no interest. No, it's just not. No, we're 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 kind of a strange, we're we're a strange (laughs) Strange dog of a podcast. We're a strange show. (laughs) We don't really fit into like, yeah, I don't, I don't see that really happening. So I don't know. I'm just saying I don't want to be accused of anything like that anymore. And that's 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 all I'm saying. So I'm not gonna, I'm not going to, you know, do like an iPad, you know, uh, drive or anything like that. So, okay, well let's let's move on. So. What you give me a weird look? <laughs> <laughs> Go on. You give, you give okay, me a weird so look. You must have
1: some good stories to talk about. I do. I got all this. To... Let me have a look at your sheet. No, Yo,
0: no. You gonna look at my quit cheating off my tests? <laughs> right. <Go> <laughs> it's like looking at my homework. I got. Look, I don't worry about it. You, you're not gonna understand my notes anyway. All right. So, so you remember when I uh, I talked about uh, building a uh, a profiler for Node yeah. JS about I don't know when I first did that, like six or eight months. I, was, I think it was like uh, January. So did September. you build it? I built it with Guyon. Yeah. Guyon and I did it together. And um, it was it was really useful because it helped us zero in on some uh, inefficiencies. Did it, you release it as an open source on GitHub? No, I haven't. Well, you know, it's not up to me, right? Who's it's it not, up to? Oh, Uber. Who, who you think is it? Who paid for it? It's Uber, yeah, right? Right, okay. So... Um, so they, they, I, I, I got the call to to do some more work on it because they're like the there's been a lot of work that's been done on the dispatch server lately because no I no longer work on it by myself right I mean there's Align and Amos and Conrad all work on it now so yeah it's and they're adding more and more complexity right so as it gets more complex it does more work it becomes slower and you don't know where the inefficiencies are creeping in and at the same time we're growing. Uber is growing they, at a fairly rapid pace. So it's getting more and more heat gets put on these, um, on these uh, instances. So so try trying to look at my notes. So, so yeah, the, you know, one of the big problems with – one of the limitations of the, uh, of the profiler, though, was that there was no way to profile inline anonymous functions. So the way Node works is, is, is everything's asynchronous. You don't want to block on anything. And whenever you do something like a, uh, an API, you, you do like a, an HTTP request to another service, or to like the API, or, or something. You know, the, you you define a callback function to say right. come back and tell me this later. Yeah. I mean, you, people know this from jQuery, yeah, right? Yeah. Right. So, but you can't. Pro- the profiler couldn't get a hold of those. Could handles on those functions because they they're not in the global namespace. There's just there's no way to get a hold of them. Now classes, sort of these, these, these classes that are defined using this class.extend uh, library that we, uh, that we use. That, I, think it's, I think John Resig created the first version, and Guy and I modified it significantly to include profiling behavior. And uh, so we had to, we had to do is, like, how do, we, how do we do with anonymous callback functions? Because when I did a search, there was, like, over 200 anonymous callback functions in dispatch server and, you know, supporting libraries alone. Yeah. 208. That's a lot. Yeah. So I'm like, okay. Um, and so Guy and I are working on it. And Guy and I was like, guys, ah, it's, it's not possible. <laughs> you know, and I'm like, damn it, we can do this. There's got to be a way that we can do this. And we end up coming up with this kind of a cool approach where we would just wrap every every callback function. We just do a an under, double underscore F and then open parenthesis and then the callback function, close parenthesis. So we'd kind of wrap it. Okay. And then internally, then we could get hold of, and then we could do the enter and exit. Um, calls to the profiler and do everything like we did classes. So I just had to go through, do a search for the functions, and just insert that, which took me like you know whatever an hour. Yeah. But once we did that, we ran it, and um, and the other cool thing I had done was the last time I was up there is I created this control port system so that when the dispatch server is running or in some of the other services, you could do like a, a REST call to a, a control port and it would just spit back whatever information you wanted, like stats or whatever. And so I added a profile. Endpoint. So you just say, you know, port slash profile, and it would just shoot back all the profiling in a formatted, formatted data. So you could just pipe it to a file and look at it.
1: Just in case anyone missed that, the solution that uh, Jason said there was to, for the anonymous function is basically double underscore. Open parentheses, close parentheses. So it's a function. You've created a function which is which is basically double underscore in the global scope. I,
0: I call it double underscore if I call it anything. You, you call it, but it's just something that not, it would be kind of simple and small yeah. and wouldn't clash wouldn't with clash anything. With anything, right? You okay. know. So I just said do it double and underscore. Was F. it
1: one of those anonymous functions that's slowing things
0: down? No, it wasn't. But the other cool, the cool innovation, and I, I think I have to hand this this piece to uh, Guyon, um, was we we would we would do it so that when when you would um, spit out the profile, it would subtract when it would calculate the elapsed time that a function took to run, it would subtract the time that any of the functions that it called took. So you would know, it's, and it would sort all of those functions by the elapsed time. Wow. So you know exactly the hotspot of that function. Mm-hmm. And it turned out that there was one function where we save the, the location of a trip. Uh, the save, um, it was called save trip or whatever, the save yeah. trip call. And it took 72% of the time. So basically, what, it, 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 knows, it sees everything in the stack. So you've got
1: this full call stack. You, you've got like you know the full way call stack. You, it's like a like, tree. It's like a function within a function within
0: a function within a function. And, 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 a function, and you see a indent. Function. It's like a tr- like a call cool tree. It's a huge. And it's showing you this one's taking the percentage. And it's like yeah. And it's like it's like oh, five nice. pages. And then what it does is five pages of or like five screens full of this giant tree with and after that with the percentage it took the the function name the total elapsed time and the um and the number count number of times it was taken. Like wow. this is called thirty-two thousand times or whatever, and then it does like a break, and then it does like a whole nother set of uh, just it, it. What it does, it puts everything um, uh, kind of at a flat level, and it just orders every function call, no matter who called it, by the amount of time that it took itself, not including the amount of time its children took. But that that is the. I mean, I think from a marketing perspective, Uber should release
1: that on GitHub. Yeah, they probably should. I mean, because that that will get on Hacker News, you know, and that's that's really hardcore stuff. Be great for, for marketing.
0: Yeah, because the, 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 I mean, I tried to use some of the um, profiling stuff, and no, everything I tried just didn't really work, didn't really do what we wanted. And this was awesome. We ran it one time. Cause, okay, so, what we did is, is I had been running it with a simulator, and then I turned around to Conrad. Conrad is the one who deploys everything live. I'm like, all right, Conrad, let's get this thing live. And we figured out how to like, enable the profiler by just starting the dispatch server with a dash P. Uh, option so they could turn it on and then turn it off yeah. spit the pro and then you can just hit the control port so so nice. we restart the th- we restart the service of the dash p run it for like 10 minutes hit the control the control port slash profile get the get the stuff out and then just restart it and then you're back cuz it added about a 40% overhead to the cpu so yeah. it's a little slower not yeah. sl- not not it's not going to kill you but you don't want it run like that normally yeah and when we ran it. It was funny because I, I called other guys around, I'm like, hey, you know, Align, Amos, Kurt, you guys, come take a look at this. And we're all standing around looking at it. And I was just like, holy crap, look at that. And we just looked at 72%. I mean, you just looked at it. It was almost like <laughs> the profiler could really, uh, by it could almost just print out that top line or that top line thing. Like, you know, yeah. like Google, I'm feeling lucky. Just profile. There you go. Right there. <laughs>
1: and so um, what was the what was the issue with that save function? Was it like database connectivity issue or?
0: Yeah, yeah. Let me get to that one thing. So oh, first before I get to that. It was really cool. So one that was awesome is having like everyone, you know, kind of standing around. Like right. everybody's like looking. We're all trying to dissect the function. And it just... It was—it's such a cool feeling to write code like that. And Everybody going, "This is badass, right? <laughs> like, this is awesome." Cause everybody's like, "How did you do that?" You know? And I'm like, "Well, first of all, it wasn't just me. It was Guyon, right? So I call Guyon my like graphics co-processor, right? You know, like graphics accelerator because he adds this extra level of just, you know, brilliance. Then and, and it just uh, makes just makes stuff possible. That I mean, I I don't think I would have been able to pull this off to level like it was pulled off. It wasn't if I didn't have Guyon mm-hmm. to help me with. But you know, because Guyon is just just algorithmically he's just incredibly talented so um but it took me to push him like we no we have to do it this way we got to do it this way and he's just like all right i know that feeling just like without uh, just like with Prizo, you know we just like we just pushing we have to or like this with the way. email we did the other day right just pushing <laughs> pushing and to get it. so that was just a really cool thing to go up to uber and I try and do this when I go up there. It's always nice but, to go up But around.
1: why was it cool to, to everyone standing around looking at your function that's running slow, slowing everything down? No, no. Why is well, that cool? No, I didn't
0: write that function. <laughs> All right. No, okay. I just... My, the <laughs> profiler found... Okay. There was no way of getting an insight into this incredibly complex code base. Yeah. Without a profile. There's no profiles at work. Write a file from scratch in JavaScript, yeah. and there it goes. It gives right. you the answer. And so anyway... Okay, so what was the problem? So um, whenever whenever a... Um, but tw- about, two, about two times a second... Uh, the driver's phone and the client's phone hits uh, uh, hits the server with kind of an update message, depending what's going on. And when a driver is on a trip, it sends its trip points, its latitude, and longitude, and uh, maybe a couple of small pieces of information, so that we can calculate the exact path they took, and that's how we calculate the fare, right? So we know exactly where they went. Mm-hmm. Now, so so you know, if you're twice a second, and let's say that your uh, your trip lasts thirty minutes or twenty minutes. You know, it's 120 updates a minute, times 30 or whatever. I mean, that's, that's a lot of points, yeah. right? So, and and if you're and if you're saving that as a value in a key, you're storing that entire array every single time there's an update. It's not an incremental update of saving the last point. You're saving the entire triple array. Ah. So you're having to do a JSON like a so it's just, it's that's a, a big. It's JSON. essentially doing a, stri- a stringify yeah. of that array every time. Right, right. And on average, that took 6.39 milliseconds, where most functions were like five microseconds okay so and it was obvious it's like okay well that's the thing or we can obviously just that's don't, obviously don't do it as a big json just do it as little dots on an array yeah so we have to figure out i mean we now have to look into redis and say like okay what's how can we append to a value versus replacing the whole value or, or doing something yeah. else right yeah so uh but it was really cool i mean it's really cool nice. to write something like that I and like it. uh now i'll talk to the uh I'll talk to, to Curtis and see about you know how they feel about open sourcing. They're generally very pro open source, and Curtis is in fact talking about hiring people who would work exclusively on building tools for Uber that would be open source. Yeah. So that's that's their that's their stance anyway. Well, there you go. So
1: so I think you should do it. I, like that sounds like something that would be really valued in the Node community.
0: Yeah. I mean, because I kept thinking like, oh, you know, because the before the reason I didn't do it is because you couldn't do anonymous inline functions right and i was like well people might just be like okay it's just too much of a if you can't do that and that's such a big part of your code base that it seems like it would just not be that useful and i kept thinking that well they're going to come out with something really cool that's native built in the v8 engine so what's the point yeah but they're still not like coming out with it Yeah, so it's like okay you know whatever we'll just do it yeah it. so that that's was awesome. that was uh, pretty cool let me just say, I, I look not my notes i'll see there's anything else i wanted to say about that um let me see here. Now I think that's uh, that's pretty much it. Cool. Well,
1: do you have any other
0: like outside outside the box Our,
1: our world um, tech stories, like just interesting tech stuff that's happened? Or
0: yeah, yeah. So um, yeah, there was a, there was a story. There was um, it was a CNN article called "We Need a Longer School Year." Oh yeah. And it was and it was um, it was I, th- I don't know if it was written by um, this person. If it was if it was it was sort of you know, I think. I actually think it was. It was her, n- her name is Jennifer Davis, and she's the co-founder and president of the National Center for, on Time and Learning. And she was previously the um, the uh, U.S. Department of Education deputy deputy assistant secretary. So she's like this one of these. So she's sh- saying we need a longer school year. Yeah, she's an educational right walk, education walk, right? So that's what her things are. Sounds right? to me like she's trying to earn more money. Yeah, well, no. <laughs> <laughs> go through a longer year. Yeah, well, so the, the, her, the, essentially, the whole article is assen- is saying that. Lower income students lose ground over the summer. Yeah. They lose, they call it the summer slide. And that if we had a longer we had a longer school year, then it would keep that from happening. And you know, it's funny, reading that article, there was no there was no information on like, well, how much ground do they leave? Do they lose? Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, do they lose a year? Do they lose a month? Do they lose a week. Because it makes a difference. No stats. Right? move you know it's like yeah there's no stats and outside it, it didn't it didn't represent the other side because i i had read before that lower income students lose ground S- students from more affluent families gain ground during the summer they actually pick up ground they actually learn quicker than when they're in school right right or 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 at least as quickly
1: why? Because they're doing, you know, fun extracurricular activities or something like that? Yeah,
0: well, there, I mean, there's, there's speculations on that. I don't know if anyone knows for sure, but it's like you're around educated parents, parents who read, parents who are having interesting conversations, explaining stuff to their kids, sending them to, um, you know, different types of interesting activities, whatever. So I went and did a little more research on it to see if, see if I was me- remembering that correctly. And they call that actually the summer search <laughs> as opposed to the summer slide. And it says, in and in, in the, in the, in the Based on this academic paper, that you know, that parents whose um, parents who hadn't who, who have no college education, their parent, their kids lose approximately a month during the summer on average. Okay. Parents who have a BA, uh, average their their kids gain one month. Yeah. Of uh, of uh, I don't know reading or ability or whatever it is. So they gain, but they gain their, a because month
1: their parents are are real already.
0: Education, education oriented, a little more, yeah, a little yeah. more. And parents with uh, with masters and PhDs, their kids gain on average two months hmm. worth of school. That's amazing. Ability, so, you know? yeah,
1: so that, it makes sense. Your parents, are, you know, you they're a big influence.
0: Yeah, yeah. So I was kind of frustrated by reading that because I was like, it was it was very uh, um, one sided and inaccurate. It was misleading. It was saying, you know, okay, her perspective is the lower income people, their kids fall behind, so everyone. So, and, and basically, said, and she said this, and she said this sort of throwaway line. Well, every, everyone does better, so we should we should everyone should go to school longer. We should have a long school year, and that's like saying we shouldn't have a short work
1: week. I mean, companies have seen, you know, some companies have experimented by having four day work weeks, mm-hmm. and they get they get a, a, bed, a better quality of work and more done.
0: Well, there's yeah. a ton of evidence that shows that that uh, this you know this goes back a long time, but. You know, people with shorter work days, shorter work weeks, people are more motivated and more productive. 37 Signals, in fact. Are, did you
1: did you read the recent thing by Jason Freed talking about that? Uh,
0: no. There was, I, I read. I, I saw the title. I saw it, but I didn't read
1: yeah, it. Yeah. One, one of the quotes was interesting was that, um, that people try to go to work on the Friday and they don't let them. And right. they're like, just don't go to work. We want people to, still try to go to work. And, the, and then there's this whole guilt about, oh, I went to work, but should I have gone to work? I shouldn't have gone to work. You know, so it's, yeah.
0: Yeah, well, it reminds me of, like, uh, when I ran track. I mean, the coach would get really pissed that this is your day off. Don't go do anything. It's like, oh, I went and played intramural basketball, you know, or something. Like, you're not, you need your, you want your body to recover. So when you come, when it's time for the meet, you're, you're going you're gonna to be your optimal. But
1: that's frustrating because sometimes you really want to do something.
0: Yeah, you know? well, sometimes you want to do something is isn't good for you, right? Yeah. Sometimes you want to stay up all night, but that's not going to be good for how you do the next I've day. I've been
1: watching this show called Revenge. Uh, that's on Hulu now. There's 22 mm-hmm. episodes and I'm like watching five episodes a night and I'm just like so addicted to it. And I know that it's not good for me, but it, every episode ends and I'm like, oh my God, I've got to watch the next episode. What that's, happens?
0: That's because we don't have very good uh, as, uh, self-discipline as humans. It's Actually, I'm, I'm really glad that we, we brought back this. because Well, do you want to finish this? Let me also? finish this one thing up. Okay, so,
1: then I want to come back to something.
0: So I, I just want to say that, you know, it's unfortunate that you get, uh, you get something written like that in the CNN that's completely... One-sided and and misleading, right? And and it's because it's 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 ultimately a political statement. It's like, well, we want everyone to go to school, so the lower-income people will do better. I'm like, okay, well, maybe another side is, why don't you offer school as an option for people who want to send their kids to school during the summer? Offer offer additional tutoring or whatever. But it's like, I don't want my kids to have to go; they need a break. I want to be able to do fun stuff. so when were you expecting good reporting on CNN? or Fox, I'm just, I'm just or anything. Saying, well, CNN isn't nearly as bad as Fox. Right. If Fox in, in, in is you know kind of in this category of its own in terms of propaganda, MSNBC kind of on the other side does yeah. does its own share. Yeah. They, each, they sort of do the talking points of their respective parties. CNN is more mainstream. They may not cover things nearly in the depth that they should cover them. You yeah. know, that's something I always complain about. There are things going on in this world that most people aren't even paying attention to. But writing a misleading article like this and not citing the other half of the information in the academic, in the academic literature is, is, is just wrong, right? I mean, it's mm. just wrong that they allowed that to happen. Because it's like, okay, we can have an honest debate about whether, okay, if, you know, poor kids do worse, better, uh, kids from more educated families do better. Should we still have longer school years? Is this still, still something we should have or not? But, then not? but leaving out half the information to make your argument is just crap.
1: You know what I always say? Truth lies in the middle. Okay. All right. So go on. What were we going to say? Um, well, it's to talk a little bit about it's sort of roughly related to intermittent fasting, mm-hmm. um, but mainly ego depletion.
0: Yeah. Have we spoken about ego depletion before? We've talked we talked about it before. The more times you sort of utilize yeah. your self-discipline, yeah. the less resolve you have later in the
1: day. Right. Exactly. So, so somehow I ran into this again through the intermittent fasting stuff. I think it was through something that, that um, Guyon sent me in his email which I think should be a public blog anyway. Like this 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 is the 101 to losing weight. So one of the things he says is, you know, recognize that you're not, it's an article recognizing that you don't have as good willpower as you think you do through the ego depletion. So as you go through the day and you make more choices, you know, like, oh, I'm not going to eat that. I'm not going to touch that. I'm going to walk out the door now. I'm going to go and do some exercise. It depletes a little bit of your reserve Mm. of, well, I don't know. Results. Yeah. results. You, right. you,
0: you think you have like a certain amount of credits, right? And you are, you know, in, in your little uh, self disciplined bank account, and every time you utilize it, you're taken what I was out.
1: thinking is because this is like a, it's a big deal, and this is huge for me because it's when I get stressed, like that, I do something like grab a, a bar of chocolate or whatever. Oh, and one of the, one of the studies that they did was they had um, they did a study where they had some people and they had them in a room and they said, remember a number, like a two digit number, one set of people, like 50% of the people remember, remember a two digit number. And the other 50% remember like a six digit number. They they did each subject one one at a time. Then they said, all you got to do is this one task, walk out the door, down the hallway to the room at the end of the hallway and tell the person the number. Right, it was quite a long hallway. Mm-hmm. In the middle of the hallway, they put a big tray of cakes, <laughs> chocolate uh-huh. cakes. And they said that like, um, Far more, I can't remember the exact percentages, but the people who had to remember the six-digit number because they were kind of interrupted by that person saying, you know, have this cake, have this nice cake. They were much more likely to give in and have a cake and stand around and have a chat right. than the people who just had to remember two digits because it was just easier. There's a much, much easier task. Right. So the, the, basically we're saying the ego depletion is just easier to be thrown off track the more you are. exhausted you are, right? Sure. Anyway, what I was thinking is, how cool would it be to have an app that where you, every time you made one of these choices, you just like clicked a button. So this, so you could maybe have four buttons on that app. One would be like, this was a a small amount of ego depletion, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, medium, medium, large, very big. Like I really felt stressful. And then just every time you felt that during the day you clicked it, you could get a sense of what your overall levels were.
0: Well, what you're also saying though, is that stress, things that stress you during the day affect your right so that's you so it's not just making a choice not it's not just exercising self-discipline that makes it's a withdrawal. the stress of it yeah stress also reduces your sort of your account i guess
1: but it'd be cool if you had this app where you could like just open it up and look at it and say okay how you know now is a good time for me to eat because i'm i'm actually running quite well on this app <laughs> so i should right. i should go and eat now because i know i'm going to eat healthy but then when the app's like really out of you know the, all the lines are high i'm like don't go anywhere.
0: <laughs> yeah. You know, it, it actually look like a little <laughs> multimeter. It's called your ego meter. Yeah. You know, your ego meter is kind of like, you know, a little, little dial, like analog dial. It's kind yeah. of go, like going. Oh, you're like, whoa. get you're in, <laughs> you're in the safe zone. You're in the safe zone. Your ego, you're getting weak. <laughs> getting yeah, that's weak. That's an idea I had for an app. So
1: someone should make that. That's cute. Why don't you make that? Well, because I want to work on any food. Maybe, maybe I, I don't know. Maybe I'll have a, have a little think about it.
0: Yeah, that'd be fun. I mean, that probably wouldn't be too hard to make something. Yeah, probably not too hard. Ego, uh Yeah. All right. So you got any more nice stories for us? Well, I wanted to give you an update on the, on Catalyst. Oh, please do. Are you interested or not? Vaguely. No, vaguely. Does it mean I'm going to have to be teaching? Today? Doesn't mean. Doesn't mean anything. No, it's just it's actually a short one. So Col- Okay, sure. Yeah. So Colby's pretty. You know, he's he's enthusiastic. He came up to me yesterday. Or it was the day before, I think we were maybe it was, we were on the way back from the airport, and he's like, he's like, yeah. So when do we start the science club? He's like, I think we should do it on Monday, Wednesdays, and Fridays. Oh no! <laughs> and he starts talking about like, he's like, on the last day, I want to give our students like presents and stuff. I'm like, our students? <laughs> 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 I'm like, you're one of the students. <laughs> <laughs> Hold on there, kid. Get out of yourself. Well, because and I remember, I remember soccer. I think it was. Uh, it was, it was the, I think it was last year um it was for the first day of practice he's like he's like yeah i'm gonna be like your assistant coach you know because i coach his team right. and, you know because he has had more experience and, uh, he just has that mentality like he wants, he wants to be large and in charge he does he likes to tell well he he thinks he has everything figured out and wants to tell everybody how everything works right like i wonder is, where he gets that from. i don't know it's probably sandy yeah probably Right. <laughs> so he's enthusiastic which is good but so on the on the downside I think there are going to be some schedule conflicts. People are busy. So I sent an email to the, I think it was like eight parents or whatever. And I mm-hmm. said, okay, so please let me know what your, what your schedules look like. So I can try and find a time that would work for as many people as uh, possible. And uh, so we're going to have to sort of sort that out. I mean, I don't know. It, it might be, it might start as small as like three kids or something. Right. Okay. Because the other thing is that there's this, there's this chasm between verbal and actual commitment. Oh Yeah. You know, everybody says, oh, yeah, I totally want to do this. It's awesome. But you can already tell. Let's go. He's like, well, we have Boy Scouts and we got soccer and I don't know. It's like, okay. I mean, which is fine. I you think know, people need to do what they want to do or whatever. I mean, it's like, and I, one of the moms emailed me and she was feeling kind of guilty about it. And she's like, well, William, you know, he he he's expressing all the interest in Boy Scouts. And I'm like, well, then, you know, you should do Boy Scouts. I mean, you can jump on later, right? It's not a big deal. But it makes it difficult in the sense of trying to predict, like, how many people are really in or not? Right. Right. Because people want to be positive. So maybe supportive. you should have
1: done the seven this, this, that turned up to that event and got the 70 kids. Yeah. Yeah. So you would have only had 20 turn up.
0: Yeah. And then actually 12. You know, yeah. Do it. Whatever. I mean, maybe, maybe this case, because, you know, the we'll, we'll see what happens. But it, it'll probably start small. It might start with three or four kids. But it kind of reminds me of like, um, you know, like, uh, you see the movies and, like, there'll be, like, this Kung Fu instructor and he starts out, I have, like, one student or two students, <laughs> right, or three students. Eventually starts, It always starts small. When's the first class? Because I want to, can I come and watch? Yeah, absolutely. I think, I'm going I'm to, I need to send an email today. I was thinking maybe we try this Thursday at, like, uh, I'm thinking Thursdays at 5.30 might be, right, a good okay. but we'll see. I mean, what I might do is for the first few weeks is just kind of change it up and just experiment, you know, we'll just kind of do some random times, see if we can yeah. get people in to kind of see what happens, because there's not going to be enough it's not, it's not gonna be so many kids that changing up a little bit is going to be a huge logistics issue. But I think throwing in some times that some people can make it to make it. And then when they can come and say, and they can decide for themselves, is this something that's worth our time or not? Right. Yep. Cause they don't really know what it is. Right. Yep. until they get there, they're not going to, you know, hell, I don't even know what it is exactly. I think I do. We'll, we'll see when it actually starts happening. So, and the other thing I, I saw there, I, I didn't get a, um, I didn't get to really look at it. I just saw it this morning. It was some, some there's a link, it came out on Hacker News, it's called the Mathagon or something. It was like um, it has like a, it had a bunch of links to like really cool sort of cutting edge like mathematical education resources or something. And it, that's what it looked like. And one of the things they had in there was a mathematical treasure hunt for mm-hmm. they had one for primary school, and one for secondary school, and it was like it was some kind of game and it, it seemed like it was like on paper you know and then you would come with games and you have to solve certain types of mathematical puzzles to go to the next level yeah which was kind of what i was thinking of for um i was going to have them do like some kind of adventure game but maybe this when they did an adventure game later and and i started teaching them electronics like they have to have frank like, electronics puzzles in the video game yeah you know to get to the next the next step. So you're teaching them electronics
1: and computers at the same time?
0: Yeah. Well, the reason I want to teach them computers first is that we can use that as a medium to play with everything else. Yeah. You know, and I, I've always thought that, um, so that's why I want to start with programming. But then it's, it's sort of like a language, you know, you know it's like learning math first. Then you do math, then you can actually do science or certain types yeah. of science. You, once, you have the pro, once you learn the computer, then we can play with anything. We can model anything and play with anything on the computer. So I think programming is a good thing to start with. Plus it's kind of low, it's low hanging fruit for me and, and for you. So if I ask you to help out, you'll be like, sure. <laughs> yeah. If I ask you to help with electronics, you'll be like, so what's a capacitor again? <laughs> 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 like, I mean, you, you would, you know, obviously be hard for you to help out. Programming, it's, it's not the case. So it's always good, I think, to start with things that are your sort of your strong suit, you know, because Agreed. there's gonna be enough of a challenge just figuring out how to get this thing going and how we're going to organize, how we're going to organize it and and everything, you know. So anyway. So that's just sort of the update. So we'll see. I would like to get something going this week. It's but it's already Monday. So Thursday's a little last minute. So I'm trying to it's kind of weighing weighing if I should do it this week or next week. But I really couldn't do it before because I was in I was up in San Francisco and I just I hadn't heard back from enough parents and uh whatever. So That's
1: the awesome. story. Cool. All right. So what what other what
0: none Anything else? Yeah, 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 yeah I, got, I got I got plenty um, of stuff. I got plenty of stuff. So, um uh, so, did you hear about uh, MySQL was uh, removing a bunch of the Oracle was removing a bunch of test cases and a bunch of stuff from from no. MySQL? Huh. Yeah, yeah. So, Oracle step by step is sort of removing MySQL from from being sort of an open source project. They're removing. I, I, I think I remember they're moving like test ki- test suites or something or test cases. So you don't know what's going to be fixed, what's what's being worked on, or what's not being worked on, or whatever. But what does so, that mean? Test cases? You mean like in that in their regression test suite? Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. So know. how would that stop you from knowing what they were
0: talking about? I mean, the way they were talking about it was that, you know, if, if, you're, if, you're, if you're depending on certain bugs to be fixed, then you have a certain understanding of like what's being worked on, like what are right. they testing and stuff. And, you know, and maybe that, I think that's just like the edge. I think we're, this is just like the beginning. But it's, the impression that I get is that over a period of years, Oracle is going to continue to move MySQL more and more behind the curtain. And it's not going to be the same kind of open source free database that it has been.
1: Then people will just move to like something else like MySQL will be created and people will move to that.
0: Yeah, well, actually, what they'll probably move to is Postgres. Postgres, yeah. Yeah, I think most people will move to Postgres. I mean, I think this is, I think this is sort of just the beginning stages because I've seen a couple of articles about this where they've they they did this, there was something like this out a month ago and there's more. And well, I've always heard good things about
1: Postgres. You know, I've always heard good things about it, but. Um I don't know, I, I've never studied it myself or looked too deeply into it, but I've definitely heard, from people I respect, I've heard good stuff.
0: Yeah, you know, I've worked with it a little bit, and it's pretty pretty similar. I mean, I think the impression I had, at least when I worked on it six, seven, eight years ago, I'm hard for me to remember when, it was like 2004, 2005, there was a little more, you had to understand things a little bit better, it was a little more complicated, it was a little more, I think it was, it was a little more feature-rich, but it was a little more complicated I thought it was things. a little more Oracle-like. Probably, yeah. I mean, you had your um, you could it write had sequences all you know way before. You had a lot of things like you yeah. had sub like they didn't you didn't have sub selects for a long time. Right, you didn't have uh, triggers or foreign. Key. I don't I, I, you know. It's hard to remember everything, and it depends on when you're taught what period you're talking about. But yeah, they lacked a lot. Actually, of...
1: Actually, you know the one thing you may you may know this the answer to this question now, and this is sort of related. I'm going a bit of a tangent now. Mm-hmm. For, forgive the tangent. When you were working with NoSQL, mm-hmm. right? How do you do like a like select the last twenty rows and a limit?
0: Yeah, you do like it depends. I mean, you do you can you can, you can do like a limit. I think you can just say you, like you can limit, do a limit, limit with it? yeah. Mm-hmm. How,
1: like, can you order rows by a column? I mean, how do
0: you do something like yeah, that? Yeah, well, you don't have columns like that. Um, oh, and it really depends, right? I mean, there's a ton of NoSQL databases, yeah. and it just depends. I mean. Do you, do you not think about things in that way then? I haven't. I, you know, it's the stuff that I've done has been so kind of minimal. The stuff I did with Mongo right. and the stuff with Redis and the stuff I've done with SimpleDB, it's, it's, pretty, it's been pretty pretty basic. But it does, like SimpleDB has some really basic SQL that you can write. You can't do joins and things, but you can do some simple selects and things like that. Wares and... Twitter, right? It, it
1: orders tweets by date. Mm-hmm. So they must be pulling, and I know that that's no SQL the way that they store their tweets. Mm-hmm. So they must just say, give me, give them back to me by day. or maybe it's just like it by default, it just returns it based on insertion time. No, there,
0: there, 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 there are uh, rudimentary right. um, things like that. It's just you don't have the full power of like a of a, a relational engine that okay. you can help recreate all kinds of joins and stuff. Yeah, you kind of have to do that in the code or whatever. Right. But you, you know, either like filters and sorting and, and limits and stuff like that. You can do that kind of stuff, hmm. generally. But, you know, there's a lot you of... You haven't dimensions. done it, There, I've done a little bit. I haven't done it in a while, so I'm just trying to remember. Like, yeah. Mongo, I think I did a little bit of that, and hmm. I've seen it, but I just haven't done as much of that. Um, anyway, sorry for that tangent. That's okay. But, um, <laughs> so Uber is actually mo- going to be moving from MySQL to Postgres because there's a module called PostGIS, which is, like, um, allows you to do, um, like, back-end spatial um work so for instance like like um uh, uh what you call it, like geographic information hmm. so it's got i guess gs is spelled geographic information system so when you're trying to calculate distances or you know whatever using these latitude longitude points it's built in Huh. so it's really fast and that's, that's a big deal fast. yeah that is a big deal and that's what uber does so they're fully moving to postgres that's yeah. going to be a big change yeah that's going to be a big deal so that's that's coming up and I think I was reading about like a Reddit. There, this this just popped up today, which is that Reddit has only two tables, <laughs> thing and data. A thing is like a a type of a thing, like a link yeah. or a comment, and then there's the data, which is the actual content. Which essentially kind of reminds me, I think what the, they did that with FriendFeed. Remember, I was talking about that like about two years ago. Yeah. FriendFeed used this sort of, they sort of mimic the NoSQL approach using in a relational but you're database. Saying they just have two tables. So what? Where's their? Where are their users stored? So every. Well, yeah. The user is a type of a thing. So every attribute is a row. Does that make sense? So
1: basically they say if they're selecting you, but that to me seems like over.
0: Because here's the thing. The big problem when you have these huge uh, tables for these companies is that when you change the schema, it can take like a day. Yeah. For the table to lock. Right. <laughs> so or or, your, or it can't do any backups during that period of time. It can't do a bunch of things. So making a schema change is a nightmare once you get to a certain size. And there's a trying to get around that. And I remember a Friend feed talking about that. It's like when way they want to add attributes or whatever, there's no schema change. Right? Yeah. You can iterate more. So like you know, whereas if you if you're like, well, we want to add this two new fields, it's like, well, how are we going to do that without shutting down the service? So essentially? Well, they
1: just have... It's just all JSON stored in a big text yeah, field. effectively. Yeah, But uh, so, so, But you can't index text fields. So how do you do a search through the data? I guess they have like a separate search
0: system. You know, I don't know. I mean, then again, to go into that. But I was, what I was thinking about is... You, so the, the big problem with these relational databases is the schema change when you have billions of rows. Yeah, yeah. I was thinking there's got to be a way to solve that specific problem. Like... How, how there's got to be a way to kind of change the schema kind of like do a lazy you know a lazy change as opposed to an eager change so it's kind of like you know you, you know how like you when you create an object you might not create any sub objects until you need those sub sub-object, objects right you don't yeah. create it all in the constructor or whatever because nine times out of ten you're probably not going to need them or you right. won't need them till later so why use up the resources I think you, I, it seems to me that it might be possible might be really tricky but it would be possible to say, OK, we're adding these columns, but we're not going to adjust the tables, you know, all the all the uh, data files that correspond to this table until later. Like, you know, that you, you like, you know, that this because, you know, a table they'll divide it up into like little mini files, you know. Right? And so this this file, it's the, the schema was X the last time that it was saved so when you do a joiner or, or something like that and you're like oh we we we're, we're using a new schema now so we going to make these quick adjustments like just in time so it slows things down a little bit as you're going through stuff but yeah. it's incremental as opposed to like just shutting down the service
1: i think that uh that's a noble idea but i think it's a really big tough problem i mean a, lot, oh, of, a lot of people have been tackling that so
0: i just haven't heard anyone talk about it and and it's like if if you think of people the reason that these companies are leaving are, are, are choosing NoSQL solutions or or are applying a NoSQL approach in a SQL database for that problem. So it's like, well, okay, that's the that's the key issue. Yeah, I think I'm pretty sure that's the key. That's the key issue. Maybe there's something else. But next, next. All right, <laughs> next. Let's see what I got here? <laughs> um, so uh, California just um, they just the the California legislature just approved self-driving cars. I saw that. Yeah, that those
1: articles. Uh, they give you a lot to think
0: about. Yeah, they say that um, they're still going to require a human driver in case something goes wrong. So I think it's a kind of, it's not whole hog, like, you know, it, it, totally, you can have just some well, synapse. Yeah, because the
1: algorithms um, still don't work for things like, well, they, it's not that they don't work, but they still don't know how to really, really get it sussed. Like, is that a paper bag or is that a rock mm-hmm. in the middle of the road? You know, how do they tell the density? Like humans, we'll, we can see. oh, yeah, it's a paper bag. No, no worries. We'll just go straight through it. But a robot's going to go, oh, oh it's going to be really cautious all the time.
0: Right. Or right, last night when I was driving home, uh, there was a car stopped on the highway. Ooh. You know, and you could see, like, the, the, the smart thing was to do. With the was, like, Yeah. But the smart thing to do was to just kind of go into the next lane and go around it. But the yeah. like, car might have just gone right up and stopped and just sat there waiting behind this car or something like that. Who, you who could see did? that. Oh, yeah, yeah. So what you're saying the 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 google robot car might have just gone up behind it and stopped i mean maybe it wouldn't i'm just wondering if they could solve that kind of a problem very well they wouldn't know just to kind of there's a lot of it. problems there's a lot that, like there's a lot of uh those weird fringe cases yeah so it said that um i mean one of the things they were citing was that 90 percent of accidents are caused by humans so obviously that's why you know there's a push for this um and, uh, and it's also been considered in Hawaii, Florida, Arizona, Oklahoma, and it's already passed Nevada. I think we've yeah. talked about that. And yeah. that, you know, I think so far the... Um but you have to spend, for
1: every car, you have to give the state a million. What do you mean? Uh, or, no, maybe it was... No, sorry, for the license. For, for the license to drive, you have to give the state a million because they want a million back up. Oh, for, like for any ins- company? Like an, like, an, like an insurance, yeah. Yeah, so, so so because they want to stop hobbyists. Okay. Yeah, so they only want very large, serious players like Google or whatever going into the space. So they won't give you a license unless you spend a million.
0: Yeah. Okay. Well, it's not a surprise. But you know, so I was thinking about. That. I actually read an article this morning as well about the you know the rise of the drones, the yeah. flying drones. And I think I talked to you about there's a there's a plane that's going to be like the first completely um, uh, unmanned. Drone aircraft that can take off and land on uh, aircraft carriers. Right. Yeah. And uh, they were saying that in in England, I, there's a, there was a there a BBC uh, article and a video, and they were talking about how um, that the Typhoon and F thirty five might be the very last fighters to be flown by pilots.
1: There was a, there was a, an episode of Stargate that was exactly this. They went to another planet, and the planet basically it was like you know Russia versus America but they they'd progressed to the point where they only had drones and they just had drone wars like that. It was really weird. So they were just all living in bunkers and the drones were just all fighting each other and there was no there was nothing other than just drones attacking drones.
0: Yeah, see, I think um, just like how you have automated trading systems, you know, you don't really need humans actually executing the basic trades. They just give, you know, when you when you create these trading f- systems, you're just giving these very overall um, it's sort of like, we want to go long and here. We want to do this, but all the low, low execution happens by the computer. Yeah. And I think the same thing will happen with, with, with uh, robots. I mean, I think, I think that guys, when he, the comment he made about those being the, the, the most recent fighter planes might be the last ones flown by pilots. I think we're, it might be pretty close to true that the future of say fighter pilots is sort of over. I mean, it's limited. It might be the next 20, 30 years, and they are not going to be any more left. Well, because and they'll
1: be able to do, for example, G-Force that humans can't even... That, you know humans yeah. couldn't take
0: yeah and divorce and of course if you lose one it's not a political problem right if yeah. and it's like you know that's like one thing that's happening right now is that we have all these drones going running and, and uh and shooting hellfire missiles at you know supposed terrorists but also killing lots of other people but you know in yemen and and uh, somalia and afghanistan everywhere else right But there's no political issue if, if if one of those gets down to get shot out shot down but if a, but if a pilot gets shot and captured it's a big deal, right? There's a, then there becomes a pushback against the war effort because you ha, people don't like the idea of their fighter pilots being held in some prison and torture. But it's whatever.
1: slightly bizarre when you think of if we move to a stage where war is drone against drone, then basically war is sort of a lot like a game rather than real, you know, real bad things happening. You know what I'm saying? Because it's just one computer killing another computer, one robot killing another robot. It's...
0: It, it well, what's going to happen is excuse it's just... war. It's... Yeah, partially true, but mostly it's just going to be, you know, I mean, who are we at war with? We're with countries that don't that don't okay, have so that capability. It's just, right. it's, just, it's just like the, you know, we have this huge drone war and we just kind of have this hegemonic approach to the rest of the world. I mean, you have kind of China has some kind of say in things and then, you know, England and, and the U.S. and France are all kind of sort of on the same team. And so they just kind of you know, use their drones. But anyway, that's, aside from the politics of it, the bottom line is, I think that you'll see the same thing with the cars. Then we talked about this, fortune we'll get too into it, but I think you're gonna see the same thing with cars you see with the drones, with the, with the, with the flights. So that pretty soon, it'll start out where older people, disabled people, um, people who are, um, you know, uh, who might be ill, whatever, are going to be using this is the only way they can get around yeah right people who um then people start using am i using for the kids to pick their kid up from school you know they're still at work it's like how do we get their kid home or get them to practice things like that you know but i think also companies like uber i mean i've never heard anyone at uber time talk about it because it's still kind of sci-fi at this point but i bet you uber when that when it when it happens we'll we'll do it and that will that will make it seem acceptable first of all you have like you you can order you can go to uber and say oh i want to order a black uh, a, t- a town car, I want to order an SUV or I want to order a driverless car. Yeah. You know, a lot of people are going to be like, Dude, let's do the driverless car. That'll be cool. Right. Yeah. And then it'll be a great story. Tell your friends, holy crap, this car drove me. So then it's going to be cool. And then people will be trying it out and get used yeah. to it. It'll normalize it. People will just get used yeah. to it. And there'll be this huge fleet of driverless cars that you get. It's not like, oh, I'm going to go and buy a driverless car, my next car. People will just get used to it because thousands and thousands of people in the big cities who are the early adopters in that same Did you Francisco see the thing about
1: the. the- the, the driverless car flow uh, theory that they were talking about in there. No. So basically, the, each each driverless car will they'll have their own kind of sub, their, their own wireless network that's like their subnet. So when, whenever they're in the range of another car, their networks are going to connect. Okay. So th- then what they'll do is they'll be they'll be driving like this far away from each other. They can kind seven, of
0: agree that you're doing this and I'm doing that. Well,
1: yeah, but they, but they can go 70 miles an hour and they can be like a foot away from each other. So right. you get a train of 12 driverless cars one foot away from each other they look like a train and they get they're in each other's flow so they get so the ones behind get better fuel consumption
0: because they're in the slipstream oh like look, like when people are right doing like the you know riding um bicycles like on, right, on right 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 you no know, it's like i mean it, it, i can't remember what it is but it's like 60 percent like you expend you, you maybe expend like 30 or 40 percent less effort if you are in a close slipstream behind another cyclist right you know, I don't maybe that's wrong, but I know it was substantially higher than what I had guessed. I thought it might be like five or ten percent, but sometimes said, no, it's like thirty percent.
1: But then it. think about the hacking potential of this, like driverless oh, cars. Yeah. Like the hacking potential is massive. I mean, you know, I mean, <clears throat> you can al- you can already hack into most people's computer on you know, the 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 web that we've got right now. Yeah. So go on. Yeah, so once you <laughs> once we're in that situation where everyone has a driverless car, I mean, that's a little bit scary from a hacking point of view.
0: Well, you know, I, it's like the one thing about working, at, working on the Uber code is like, you know, I push stuff out and it's live. It's affecting people's lives. It's not just like, you know, do they see a tweet or do they not? I mean, it's like people are in cars depending on where they're going to go and who picks up who. It's really weird kind of knowing mm-hmm. that because when I go and, and I take the Ubers around and the drivers and talking to the drivers, it's amazing. Like you're actually impacting real people. Yeah. And real Real world, it's kind of neat, but, but it's at least also, it's
1: not drive-by-wire. I mean, imagine no. if it was; would you be you'd be pretty scared then, right? Well, not scared, but you'd feel like, "Whoa, this code like needs a lot of testing."
0: Yeah, it has you to know? be. That's some seriously <laughs> testing code. Yeah, absolutely. So. um you know, something that uh, I, th- I think that's everything I want to talk about that. But I was thinking this is totally off topic, but it was kind of uh, f- kind of interesting. I-, I happened to get a conversation with this with last night with some people and I looked it up on the web. You know, about- hear about the-, the free divers, the guys who who who, who swim down to the underwater really deep without uh, without, like scuba gear yeah and i said you know i think they and i was was guessing at the numbers and so i went and looked it up and it's like this guy i think it was about a year and a half ago he set the new world record of free diving so with completely unassisted no weights no no balloon to carry him back up nothing swam down to 328 feet yeah 320 feet and that's unbelievable. Four it is four minutes and ten seconds. He had to hold his breath mm. while putting the kind of effort to swim down. Because we hold, you have oxygen. it's. It's hard to swim down. You put a lot of effort.
1: These guys, um, actually, uh, Georgie's sister's boyfriend. Georgie's does, sister's, sister's, sister's boyfriend. boyfriend. He 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 does that. Um, but, boyfriend uh, in only law? only yeah boyfriend and only for small you know for small depths. But he was he was in the. The pool here the other day and he held his breath for like two and a half three minutes that's pretty good you know, and it's like Whoa. and then he does this preparing beforehand He's like Whoa.
0: yeah yeah because your-
1: <sighs> so they, they kind of really saturate themselves with oxygen before yeah. they start holding their breaths
0: yeah that's interesting and so i when i looked it up and, and also and so there's there's different there's different categories of assistance like whether you use weights or where you can use a balloon to carry it back up. And so the one where they could use a, a weight sled to pull them down and yeah. they could use a balloon to pull them up, the guy set the record it was like 720 feet or something below the ocean That's and below the surface, 700 I was un How balloon. long was he holding his breath for? I, I don't know if it's it well, I guess that. you can it's hold this, your
1: breath for longer because you're not exerting the energy.
0: I don't know if it was as long of a period of time as four minutes because he was being pulled down probably at a more rapid pace. But the pressure was so much greater. I'm having panic
1: you attacks just thinking about that. About being that hundreds and hundreds of under feet under the feet, feet. Under, the feet under, the, under the ocean, with no possibility of breathing unless you get to the top. is that crazy? Like, you would have to be so calm and clear in your mind.
0: S- speaking of incredible stuff, I, I watched... Uh, yeah. Do you, you ever see the show American Ninja Warrior? No, I didn't, and I haven't <laughs> even heard of it. <laughs> so there's just something... I think it started in Japan, it was called Ninja Warrior, and they'd have all these guys. It was like a competition, and they would have to do all these... Go through this really challenging obstacle course yeah you know like you know climbing up these crazy ropes or just just doing the stuff that's just you have the to american amazing. ninja warrior this is american version of it and oh, they have like you know thousands of people oh try so it's out. called ninja warrior yeah and i think but it's, it's ninja warrior slash america they call it american ninja warrior but that's okay, yeah, whatever and uh and uh so they had <laughs> i had to watch a little bit last on saturday night and uh it was funny because and i were watching. i'm like you want to change change it she's like no no like, you know, you do? okay, I watch American Ninja Warrior. That just shows you how few good choices there are on TV these days. So we're watching it. And the, um, it turns out they had 100, 100 people across the country. They had, qual- they had qualifying rounds, at different, like the Southeast or Northeast or whatever. So 100 people qualified and got through this really brutal course. And of the 100, only 24, and they have four stages in the actual finals. And only 24 people made it through stage one to stage two. And we're going to stage two. One guy <laughs> makes it through stage two. I mean, all these guys were like: one guy was a Cirque du Soleil acrobat, the other guy was an All-American gymnast, the other guy was a, a, a multi-world champion rock climber. I mean, How these many guys were unbelievable. Are so it's just, four. So is any one guy going to be? No, he didn't, even, he didn't even finish stage three. He halfway through stage three, this part where he got like halfway through it and he got completely inverted upside down and this rock climbing theory after completing three other really challenging obstacles, he's already depleted, right? He's already exhausted and he's trying to go inverted kind of like 15 or 20 feet of completely upside down these little Things to hang on. What are they going to do for the next episode then? I don't know. I'm like, there's no Ninja Warriors. (laughs) There's no, there's no, (laughs) nobody made it. no Ninja Warriors. It was brutal. (laughs) (laughs) The no, the no American Ninja Warrior show. (laughs) I was was asking, I'm like, well, what what the hell are we going to do? I mean, there's going to, I was like, there's going to be a lot of filler on this next stage because there's only one guy.
1: (laughs) Yeah. But (laughs) if you didn't get to stage four, there's going to be nothing but filler. This is where someone would have gone had we had a contestant yeah it was pretty
0: impressive <laughs> what they were doing though i would be fun to like have like a easier version of that that you could train for just to something to try that would be pretty cool sounds like parkour multiplied by well yeah they, they had they had a bunch of parkour guys like yeah. some like you know they were gymnasts people who the kind of people who would be good at that what did the
1: guys who, say what did they say when they interviewed them after and and you know they they, yep. they couldn't do it
0: what did they, did they say wow i wasn't expecting it to be this hard you know, they're, most of them are pissed off at themselves. They're yeah. Like, ah, you know, he's like, yeah, I missed that thing, and I got exhausted, and I just ran out of gas. And this one guy, he was just pissed. He's like, I'm not even tired. I can't believe I didn't mess that up. You know, they're pretty. I mean, some guys are, you know, kind of smiles about it. Like, well, you know, next year I'll do it. Next year, I'll, you know, hopefully I'll, I'll be back next year. But some people are pretty pissed. What was the one guy who did it like? What was he? Was he like? Yeah, he was. Well, he was like, well, you know, he's like, yeah, I just ran out of. He's like, you know, what did you say? He was, he was. I mean, what was his frame like? Was he? Sinewy, muscular. Was he like heavy set? I mean, they what look, kind of was
1: the perfect kind of?
0: They looked like they 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 look like what you might imagine, like a um a uh, well, the circus soleil acrobats look like. They're okay. lean, really cut, right? Um, muscular but lean, muscular. Right. You know, they're 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 maybe so not- kind
1: of maybe even small people, but with lots of just hardcore yeah. muscle
0: I mean there were some guys that were taller I mean it wasn't like they had to be like five foot seven or something yeah. I mean they were like I don't think height was so much it but it was just a strong you had to have like a lot of strength per body weight right. high strength to body weight index why is it
1: called ninja then because I thought ninja was about attacking things
0: no you know at ninjas they have like these stealth they can do all these crazy acrobatics and crawl up rules and droves oh, and jumps okay. I mean it's kind of just a pull funny right and but you're so like compar- a ninja so compared
1: know? to like a Japanese ninja warrior are they just much better than us <laughs>
0: I, I don't know. I mean, it, the, the obstacle may just have been harder okay. than what they did. I I don't know. This is the third year they've done it. I you know I don't I don't I don't really know. All right. So I think I got uh, one anyway, that more. Was a good one. Yeah, I just thought that was kind of funny. So um, I think I got one more. Actually, I got two more. It depends how much time we got. But another. We could do another. Um, oh, maybe five minutes. Okay. So there's an article called DARPA has seen the future of computing and its analog. I like that, and I and I I think. I think I have a a concept. I saw the title, but I didn't read the article. But
1: I'm guessing it's the same as um, records versus bits. So a record which has an audio stream, an analog audio stream, it's basically an infinite number of bits, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Is it something like that?
0: Yeah, so. It, it basically, rather than forcing uh, the voltage to be in a, an, an on or off state for zero or one, which is not very power efficient, it would be sort of like in a range. It would be sort of like you, you'd almost have like a probability processor. Hmm. So it's not true or false. It's kind of a probability. So it wouldn't be as accurate necessarily. So if you could, if you'd be like image rendering or something where it's like the accuracy tolerance is a little uh, a little higher, you could you could tolerate a little more noise, a little less accuracy, but it's way faster. And way more power efficient, hmm. those kinds of things. So, um, so it's like almost one or almost zero, but, but it's the, still are you still
1: interpreting it as one or zero.
0: In the end, I guess you know. In the end, obviously, uh, something ultimately gets forced to either do something or don't. Yeah. But the in, in, the the intermediate um, computations can be done with you know probabilistic in a probabilistic way, using analog signals.
1: Wow, you could end up with all sorts of results there. Where it's like, oh, maybe I'm a one, maybe I'm a zero. Well,
0: you know, It kind of reminds me of like uh, fuzzy logic, which is some stuff. I, I, I worked with this stuff a lot back in like uh, late, mid-90s. I built a bunch of stuff. And uh, fuzzy logic is very similar to you doing probability calculations, and you say, well, what's the probability of this, the probability of that? Actually, you don't call them probabilities. You call like, well, is this, is this a range high or low? Or is it warm or cold? Well, it's kind of warm. So is that like a 0.75? You know, you kinda yeah. you kinda take these sort of words and, 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 and adjectives and 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 uh, and you try and figure out like where in the range that actually would fall. And then you combine all these, and everything's normalized between zero and one, which is the same as a probability. And so then when you combine all these things in these computations, it's like doing probabilistic yeah. calculations or whatever, and whether you unions or intersections or whatever. So for doing for doing fuzzy calculations, fuzzy logic, which is used a lot in, in things like uh, control systems, like drones, like uh, keeping when you hold a video camera and you're trying to and it keeps the image still in your mind, that's fuzzy. That's a fuzzy uh, control system. And the Japanese are really big. They've, they've, they, that's been a, something they focus a lot on. What's the big smile? You got a big smile on your face. I was
1: just thinking about a program that's analyzing some text. This text probably says hello, but it
0: actually says... That's right. Ninety percent chance. Hello, ten (laughs) percent. Anyway, it it expects the system to be faster and orders of magnitude more power efficient. And see, that's the issue is they're saying that is is that energy efficiency isn't keeping up with Moore's law. Mm -hmm. And energy efficiency, you know, battery life and stuff is incredibly important for certain types of applications. So that's what it's all about.
1: Yeah but I mean we saw that we had another story was it last week about the organic material using DNA
0: yeah for storing huge Oh that was amounts. for storing right 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 there's yeah. a mass amount of that yeah yeah cuz so there's all these different there's all these different sort of axes of like where, you know there's there's fit, there's power efficiency there's pow, there's computation power yeah. there's storage yeah. you know you have all these things you're trying to trying to uh maximize so one of the or minimize like if its power consumption is is um is uh, well, we've talked about Watson's. Have you seen the thing about Watson, which is the thing that would be the Jeopardy champion? Yeah, a computer? yeah. So there was an article about how IBM is working really hard and pushing that. And so they want to like have like, you know, like you have a, you use Siri on your iPhone. It's like going to be like the ultimate Siri. Okay. So like just orders of magnitude better. So that, like, you know, you're, and as these, as our computing, our handheld computing devices get more and more powerful, then, you know, you can have like a supercomputer in your hand or some amount of it obviously gets offloaded to some, Server or whatever, but uh, along those lines, HP and Hynix is the name I think. Hynix, H Y N I X. They um, they're working on these memristors. Have you heard of it? You know what a memristor is? No. Memristor. Okay. So it's kind of like it, it's it, you know like a resistor resists the flow of uh, of current. Yeah. Okay. So um, when you w- memristors work, they change resistance with the change in current. So it's a variable resistor. Hmm. That varies with the, with the current, right? So, um, now, the, the, why they're useful is that they can preserve the last state. So, like, memory. So, so memory or memory. Memristors, right? And they're looking to, like, replace DRAM flash memory and hard drives using it. And they anticipate that it's going to double storage capacity and be faster and use less power. But, Hynix is holding off on it because it's going to cannibalize a lot of their flash business. So they're going to try to hold off, like kick things back a whole another year.
1: Oh, like the famous light bulb, like the the, the never ending light bulb that you don't want to release because it screws your uh, revenue.
0: Yeah. So I guess they must have enough patents that they feel like they can just hold off a year before rolling it out, you know, because they're not probably not worried about some other company coming and introducing a, a Memorister line and. And, and beating up well, yeah, to the punch. I mean, I
1: guess, yeah, okay.
0: But that's a whole nother, that's again, the Memristor is a whole nother, like we're talking about incre- decreasing power with the analog chips yeah. now are decreasing, dra- dramatically increasing uh, storage efficiency and capacity and, and things like that. So on the R&D front, sure. <laughs> Yeah. so I, I, think that's, I think that's enough. I had, uh, you know, well, actually I have this last one just to get it off my list, which was the Flynn effect. You heard of the Flynn effect? No, I haven't. Well, there's a, I think he's a researcher, scientist named James Flynn. And he he basically um, had come up with, he did some research that showed that when you give people, uh, when you give students or kids or whatever IQ tests, they do much better than kids, say, 10 or 20 or 30 years before on the same tests. And they call it the Flynn effect. And roughly, they're seeing. let me see, I think it was roughly three points, uh, on average. So society human, is cleverer. Gaining, gaining, gaining ten, three IQ points per decade. Society. Yeah, society overall. Huh. But what he's, and so there's been a lot of sort of controversies you might expect about like, well, how, how are we getting Why? smarter? Like yeah. how are we evolving? It's, you can't be evolving that fast. You know, there's no, there's no survival of the fittest based on people who are must slightly be smarter. be just
1: general media consumption.
0: Yeah, I, and I think ultimately what, what uh, the, the most likely scenario is that people are just getting more used to solving abstract problems, symbolic problems that are like the kinds you see on the IQ test, like the Raven's progressive matrices. So people are just getting used. Their life is becoming more like an IQ test. Hmm. You know your, the games you play, the video games people play. Oh, oh, right. Using you know media like iPhones, it's more yeah. like shapes and sizes and moving things. So we're not getting and, smarter; we're just of, getting better
1: at IQ tests. Yeah, it's just
0: life is becoming more like that. We're becoming more abstract, more symbolic. Oh. You know, um, well, the thing was kind of interesting though. Is <laughs> I based on this? If you know, if you're if you know, assuming that uh, well, I, as we said, it's probably not really intelligence. But the same test, the same IQ test in America in nineteen in nineteen seventeen. People would have an average IQ of seventy-two. Now you cannot actually can you cannot actually um, if if you're convicted of murder you can't be given the death penalty if you have an IQ less than seventy. You're considered mentally deficient. <laughs> 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 That's funny. <laughs> oh, a, yeah. So uh, do you,
1: do you you don't have any you don't have any dark uh, news. I do. I actually just give us just end, end. Let's end on a dark note. You want to give on a just dark? Just give half? us a real quick dark one that should make us feel sad about being alive.
0: <laughs> uh, you know, I had some, and I just was like, you know, I'll tell you, I'll just kind of read the, I'll just give you the just the high level, and people can read it themselves if they want, if they're if they're really really interested. So one was an interesting article by. Um, uh, Glenn Greenwald in the Guardian, and, and he's always excellent. I mean, he's he's not left or right. I mean, he smashes the left and right both. Yeah. He's an it he was an a, an ACLU um, lawyer for a long time, and who's turned columnist. And he's just uh, I don't know, kind of a brilliant. But he's talking about how the uh, a New York Times um, a national the New York Times national security reporter Marco Mazzetti um, was essentially colluding with the CIA uh, spokeswoman Mary Harf to um, to basically make sure that. Whatever this article I think was, um, that was being written by Maureen Dowd about, uh, about, um, leaking of CIA documents or certain documents to that would make the Obama administration look good, um, so they were
1: leaking CIA documents that would make Obama yeah. look. Yeah, says
0: the CIA had evidently heard that Marine Dowd was planning to write a column on the CIA's role in pumping the f- filmmakers with information about the Bin Laden raid in order to boost Obama's re-election chances. And Mazzetti, with, uh, and was apparently worried about how da- Dowd's column would reflect on them. Um. So anyway, you know, so the, the and so there was a Freedom of Information uh, Act. Request of, uh, what they call FOIA request um, by Judicial Watch, which is kind of a—I a, think it's a more of a right-wing group, but you can say they're obviously anti-Obama, so they can see why they want to find out what's right. going yeah. on with this stuff. Yeah. And and um, so basically, uh, he, Frank Mazetti is is emailing back and forth with this CIA spokeswoman, and and there's a, things like any word from her. She's like any word. So what's the status on this thing? Yeah. You know, so she's actually. You I mean. The press, the journalists, are supposed to be. You're supposed to have an adversarial press. They're right. supposed to not be buddy buddy and and colluding with yeah. the government. They're supposed to be challenging the government, keep, you know, bringing the truth out, right? And uh, so he sends her, uh, Maureen Dowd sends him a copy, sends Mazzetti a copy of uh, a draft copy of her article to ha- ask him to to fact check one piece. He tanks it and sends it to the CIA spokeswoman, and says, please, you know, delete after. See, so he's like, see, nothing to worry about, but please delete after you read it. Yeah. So it's like they're just totally wow. in sort of, you know, collusion about this. And yeah. uh, um, he goes, and this is pretty funny, he goes, the exchange by itself is remarkably revealing of the standard role played by establishment journalists and the corruption that pervades it. Here we have a New York Times reporter who covers the CIA colluding with its spokesperson to plan for the fallout from the reporting by his own newspaper. Nothing to worry about. That's right. Yeah. Beyond this, that a New York Times journalist, ostensibly devoted to bringing transparency to government institution, is pleading with the CIA spokesperson of all per, uh, of all people to conceal his actions and to delete the evidence of the collusion is so richly symbolic. And then later, it goes on and like you have like the you know, the editor-in-chief or whatever that, you know, the, the the top editors is like, they're trying to hide. It's like, well, you know, this is, you know, we can't really comment on this because, you know, this is... Matter of ma- national security. Which is like, there's nothing to do with matter, matter of la- national security, but you what, how you did or did not share information with the CIA, you know. You're not a government agency, right? you know. And um, it's just, I mean, you know, people can read it. It's just absolutely, it's it's, it's ridiculous and hilarious at We're the same time. We're all screwed. Time. Yeah, well, it's just, you know... um <laughs> there's another thing I do not I d I don't have to, I didn't have time to read it. I was I was uh this morning was one of my last ones that, that I didn't get
1: That wasn't as that wasn't as dark as I was well, hoping. Well spyware a
0: bit to... darker. Well there's spyware matching um say matching Finn Fisher can take over iPhones and basically I think can uh take over your iPhones and BlackBerry even when you're it's off and find out where you are and turn on your microphone and all this other wow. kind of stuff and uh i don't like that and it, well you know what's a benny that william benny the guy from nsa said the nsa can do that and with your phones that they, they saw so that the guy from pirate bay was arrested the guy in cambodia right yeah. and they're, gonna, they're gonna try and extradite him to sweden of course once he's to sweden you know he's coming straight to the u.s oh he is how's he gonna do that how how's what was they gonna extradite him to sweden
1: aren't the swedish police then just gonna put him in prison
0: well no, so just like the reason they're trying to bring why this why the state department wants oh we're going to bring Assange. him to the us. Yeah, yeah. See, we have an extradition yeah. treaty with Sweden. Yeah, okay, yeah. And it was not too long ago that uh, Hillary Clinton went over and made a special visit to Sweden. Who knows what they were talking about except we want Julian Assange. Yeah, <laughs> and so Sweden is trying to make make sure that they get Julian Assange to Sweden. They don't want to send, you know, investigators or prosecutors to England to just interview him in person and say, "Okay, let's what happened with these women? You yeah. know, take a testimony to find out whether we're going to uh, indict you or not. We're going to bring you back to Sweden. And once you're in Sweden, then then the, the long arm of the U.S. is just going to grab him and throw him in right. Guantanamo or wherever. So that's yeah. why he's hiding up in the Ecuadorian um, consulate. Oh, God. And uh, oh, the, here's the other one that was in the Daily Beast. Is the Justice Department may not be prosecuting the torture memo writers, but John Sifton asks, about what about those who kill the estimated 100 detainees during interrogations? So certainly, I, I think they're basically not going to get charged. All right, guys. You well, like that? Was that good news? You like that good enough? Been, was that dark enough for you? Yeah, that was dark. Um, <laughs> I apologise to our listeners for uh, <laughs> bringing just, that dark <laughs> light on our show.
1: Um, well, I think that's been a good a good show. Um, yeah,
0: I think we're done. I gotta yeah, I gotta get the kids to go to the park, blow it out, get their energy out. Alright, that's a wrap. We're out.